This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. So if you have your Bibles already in your hand, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2, and in just a few moments we're going to have our study beginning in verse number 6. Well, again, I want to reemphasize how timely James chapter 2 is. And in this particular passage of Scripture, what we're dealing with primarily is the tremendous thought and spiritual truth according to the Word of God that every single one of us have been created in the image of God. We have not been created in the image of color, in the image of creed, in the image of preference. But the Bible plainly tells us that all of us are an equal to one another and that we have been created in the express image of God, all of us. And when we think about that, very simply put, each and every one of us ought to be treated equally, fairly, and certainly the same. Now, I want to reread for you. Look with me here in James chapter 6, and I want to reread this passage of Scripture for you. This is basically where we left off last week. James is saying, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Verse 7, do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which you're called? And God's name is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy of our testimony. Each and every one of us ought to share a testimony at some point during the day. In fact, whenever you come across a certain circumstance and and uh, you are taken by surprise by something that's come your way unexpected and you thought maybe it was going to turn out another way, but it ultimately turned out for the good, let me encourage you to take time during the day to say, thank you, Jesus. That would be a wonderful habit for us to get into if we just walked around in the spirit of testimony during the day. Now, I know when you're at work and uh, you're dealing with people, you're talking to customers or clients or, or patients, whoever they may be, and it's difficult to verbally express your gratitude to the Lord in those particular times, but in your heart and in your mind, you can truly say, thank you, Jesus. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we would just take the time during the day and and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the breath of life. Thank you for the good health that I have and that I'm experiencing today. Thank you, Jesus, for going before me in those moments of desperation. Thank you, Jesus, for the weather, whatever it may be. Just walk around with the attitude of thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? His name is worthy of our praise. The Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. James is bringing attention to that worthy name, the name above all others. Where at the name of Jesus, one day the word of God says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, his name is worthy. It's a terrible shame that 
Many of us have to engage in environments. We have to work in environments where that precious name is blasphemed during the day. Sometimes you hear it on the television. That's a cry and shame. Years ago, uh, they didn't do that kind of thing, but we're not in the years of yesterday. You hear it on the television. You hear it in the restaurant. You hear it in the grocery store. You hear it at work. And people by the dime of dozens blaspheme that worthy name. Let me encourage you to lift it up, to praise him, give honor and glory to him. Now, James brings us to this place and he puts a spotlight on that worthy name. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number eight. The Bible says, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, now the royal law, we'll be talking about that. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. Now, I want us to turn to an Old Testament passage tonight just for a moment. Hold your place here in James. We've got a lot to say about this chapter tonight. But if you have a moment, turn with me to the book of Leviticus. And I want to share this with you in Leviticus chapter 19. And I want you to see something in verse number 17 and 18. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17 and 18. Now, while you're turning and getting your Bibles ready for that location, I'm reminding you of what James said in James chapter 2, verse number 8, as he talks about the royal law of God and how he emphasizes that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about everyone is equal. Everyone is the same in the eyes of God. There should be absolutely no discrimination against anybody. And the word makes it clear we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We can go back to the book of Leviticus and notice with me in chapter 19 and verse 17 and 18, the Bible says this, thou shalt not Look at that. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love Look at this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So going back to the book of Leviticus, James, he echoes that passage in chapter 19 here in James chapter 2. Now, the royal law, let me talk about that just for a moment. The royal law, it was not about circumcision. It was not about the sanctification of the Sabbath. It was not about the enforcement of the uh, dietary laws and that sort of thing. The royal law was to love other people without regard to the particular class or condition or the country or the color or the creed. That was the royal law. We see it in Leviticus. We really see it throughout the Bible, it's, it's a crimson thread woven in and out of the scriptures. And here James does a wonderful job highlighting it. I want to 
draw your attention to another passage that speaks about this as well. So turn with me now to the book of Romans. And I want you to see this <clears throat> in Romans chapter 13. And notice with me, beginning in verse number 8. Romans chapter 13, verse number 8. And I want to read down through verse number 10. Paul says it this way in verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law, the royal law. You remember we're talking about that in, in James. Now, verse 9, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, look at this, the latter part of verse 9, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, we're talking, talking about that royal, royal law. Now, I want you to see something here. In fact, let me stop and reemphasize this, that you've seen tonight clearly in three passages of Scripture, going all the way back to uh, the book of Leviticus, going back to the book of Numbers, and also in James. At least these three passages are talking about the very same thing. And so... It goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago. Whenever you find something in the realms of repetition, it's sort of like when Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you. When those two words are together, simultaneously used, verily, verily, it's a call to attention that what is about to be said is extremely important. And so that's basically what the theme of this particular subject is all about. The royal law of God, listen, it's talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now look at verse number nine. But if we have respect to persons, are you with me? Don't, don't lose this now because we are all equal. We are all the same in the eyes of God. Don't forget we were all created in the image of God. And so James is saying this in verse number nine, but if you have respect to persons, he said, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Now look at this, as transgressors. Now the Bible makes it clear and I'm so thankful that we are now in this passage because it so very well describes the times in which we're living in today, and it's sad. This is what the Bible makes clear. To discriminate against anybody is a sin. And you just read the scripture yourself. The meaning of the word transgressors, look at this. It's the last word in verse number nine, as transgressors. This word means 
one who oversteps. One who oversteps. So take that definition to heart tonight. And what that simply means is this, that we have a biblical, a scriptural obligation to treat one another the same. All of us should be treated the same. Now, look at verse 10. The Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Let's talk about that just for a moment. And I want to ask you a question. And I want you to answer this within your spirit. Say, for example, you have a chain. Now, if you picture that, you visualize that in your heart tonight, you have a chain. Let me ask you this. How many links in the chain has to be broken for the chain to be broken. How many links in the chain have to break before the chain is broken? Do you think with me tonight? And when you get it in that frame of mind, because if you keep the whole law and the word of God says, and you offend in one point, you fall short in one point, you break the link. If you obey the whole law, James is saying, and we'll see, this is one of James, if, if he had any type of ball and chain to him, so to speak, it would be the fact that he was more so attached to the law than maybe he should have been. And that's why he refers to it a lot. But in his own analogy, you think with me now, James is saying this, you picture the chain, you picture the law. He is saying this, if you're trying to keep all of it, but you offend in one point or one link in the chain is broke. Again, how many links in the chain has to break before the chain is broken? And so James is using that tonight as an illustration to us. And notice that again, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, if only one link in the chain is broken, only one, notice what he says about that. He is saying he is guilty of all. If only one link is broken, all of it's broken. And so we have to keep in mind who James is writing to in this whole presentation anyway. He's writing to new believers. He's writing to the 12 tribes that scattered abroad. You can go back and read James 1, 1 for that. And so James Keep in mind now, this is very important. He's putting a spotlight on people who claim to know Jesus as their personal Savior. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to a group of believers, primarily new converts, people who were scattered abroad because of their faith, people who claim to know the Lord. But this is, this is where it gets a little deep or a little sticky. 
He's writing to people who claim to know the Lord, but do not live like it. Oh, they claim, you know, we sing that song sometimes. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. It's easy to say, I love Jesus. But it's another thing to live like we love Jesus. And this is the whole subject matter. And I want to give you something to think about tonight in this passage of scripture. Because in the ministry of our Christianity, and we're going to see in this study as it develops. It's one thing to be saved, to be born again, to be washed in the blood. It's one thing to be saved. And really and truly, it's another thing to be a Christian. You say, well, preacher, I thought they were both the same. Well, let me tell you this. There are people who, who have genuinely been saved, but don't live like it. The word Christian means Christ-like. And if we have been saved, then we need to live Christ-like. We need to live like a Christian. We need to act like a Christian. We need to respond like a Christian. If that's what we claim to be, then we need to live like it. Let me give you another thought to ponder tonight along this very subject, and that's this. Sometimes living as Christians is going to demand, it's going to require us to live somewhat out of the center of the box. By that I mean this. Sometimes in difficult circumstances, you're going to have to love people who will not love you back. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that situation where you know that because you've been saved and to be Christ-like, you have to love this person. Now, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like what they do. You don't have to like what they say. But as Christian people, we do have to love them. Now remember this, the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not die upon the cross and shed his blood when we became lovely people or after we became lovely people or after we became worthy people. No. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, so when we were unlovely, unworthy, unlovable, Christ loved us enough to die on the cross. When we were dark, wretched, when we were in the miry clay, listen, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He did not wait until we turned a new leaf, turned the other cheek, started out on the right path, God didn't send Jesus when we finally became worthy and lovely and honorable. No. God loved us in that while we were yet sinners. Listen, while people today blaspheme his name, curse his name every day with every breath, committing every 
imaginable and unimaginable sin, God loves them. He allowed Jesus to be their savior if they would accept him. God so loved the world. God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So look at this. As Christians, people who who are saved, we claim to be saved. And if we claim to be saved, we need to live Christ-like. And living Christ-like demands that we love people no matter who they are, no matter what they are. We are commanded by scripture to love people. And that means this, you have to love people when they will not love you back. That's what this scripture means. Jesus loved people who were surrounded and overwhelmed with sin and spiritual darkness and spiritual confusion. We have to remember that all of us, every last one of us, are unequal. And every last one of us, and I want to reiterate this again, all of us have been created in the express image of God. I want you to see a passage of scripture here in Hebrews chapter one, and I want you to look at this in verse number three. Let me give you a second or two comment. Let us know that you're here. I want to know who's watching tonight and uh, say hello to everyone. And we thank you for watching. While you're turning to Hebrews chapter one, verse three, I want you to look at this passage of scripture. I'm going to read it for you. The Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory, look at this, and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So again, now we have been created in the brightness of his glory and in the express image of his person. Every single one of us. In the moment of conception, the Bible says we were created in the image of God. Now, I want you to go back with me now. Look in James chapter 2 and verse number 11. And this, this is an eye-opening, thought-provoking passage. In James chapter 2, verse number 11, look at this. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, Thou art become a transgressor of the law. Transgressor of the law. Remember, we're talking about just one link in the chain that's broken. Breaks the whole chain. And so verse number 11 is talking about a particular dominating besetting sin that we have in our life. And by the way, all of us, every single one of us has a besetting sin. What do you mean by that, preacher? All of us, because we're all sinners. None of us today are living a life of perfection and none of us will ever achieve that status in these old, frail, human, wretched, decaying, mortal bodies. None of us will ever be perfect 
in this body, in this old world. But thanks be to God, when the rapture of the church takes place, the word of God teaches us that when the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and we will meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And it's at that particular time. Not only is there a resurrection of the dead, but there is also a transformation of the saints. The word of God clearly teaches us that it's then at that point that we receive a glorified body. And the word teaches us that it will be fashioned unto his own. Whatever he is, the Bible says, we shall be like him. Somebody say amen. These bodies that we live in right now, they're not designed to live in eternity. They're not designed to live in heaven forever. No, aren't you glad that there's not going to be a need for eyeglasses in heaven, hearing aids? Aren't you glad that there's not going to be any need for medications? The Bible says that all of those things will be forever gone. In fact, the Bible says that the last enemy that will be conquered is death itself. And so we will live forever and ever and ever in heaven in the presence of the Lord Jesus in a perfected, glorified body. But none of us have one of those right now. None of us will ever get one of those until the Lord returns in the rapture. So we all are sinners. We've been saved by grace. Yes, sinners saved by grace. And when we become saved, before we were saved, we were lost sinners. When we got saved, now we've become saved sinners. Sin is something that's going to dominate our life for as long as we live in this old world, as long as we draw a breath and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you will always be a saved sinner. And because of that, listen carefully, doesn't matter who we are, each and every one of us has a prevailing sin, all of us. And I want you to think about this. I want to show you the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. And, and the word of God clearly teaches what I'm saying to you tonight. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one, the Bible says, wherefore, seeing also, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Look at this now. Look at it very carefully. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So the Bible is clear. Every one of us has a weight and a besetting sin. The scripture doesn't say, let us lay aside every weight or the sin. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And so that's something that we need to remember tonight. In verse number 11 again of James chapter 2, for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. You have become a part of the broken link which breaks the chain. Now, all of us have a besetting sin. As I think about the characters in scripture, Solomon had a prevailing sin, a weight, a weak point, a blind spot. He had a sin that so often 
took advantage of him. And Solomon's weakness was women. Moses, his weakness was temper. Demas, his weakness was having a love for the world. And the Bible clearly teaches us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Judas, his weakness, his sin was money. Pilate, his besetting sin was the love of power. Now, even James, and I mentioned this just a few moments ago, even James, if James had a besetting sin, I think I could define it like this. He had an overwhelming infatuation with the Mosaic law. And in some ways it got in his way. And uh, it, it was clearly apparent in the scripture that it was very difficult, very difficult for James to let go of the law. So while we're talking about this subject tonight, every one of us has a besetting sin. I've given you several characters in the Bible and identified some of their weak spots, even that of James. So let me ask you the question tonight. What is your weak spot? What is your broken link in the chain? What, what, what is your blind spot? Where are you vulnerable? And that's a soul-searching question. Listen very carefully to this. There are certain sins that do not tempt all of us. Temptation, and we we're preaching on Sunday morning now, a series about the changing seasons of life. And I believe it was sermon number two in that series on dealing with the various temptations. And let me say this again. There are certain sins that do not tempt all of us. And there are certain sins that do not tempt us at all. But we all have at least one area of weakness we all have a sin that so easily besets us. And the thing to remember is this. You might not have a truckload of them. You might not even have a bushel basket of them. But if it was only one, the word of God says, if you offend in one point in verse 10, you're guilty of all. So you might be able to navigate life and, and weave your way in and out of things that would tempt other people to the place that would bring them to a downfall. And you might be able to weave through it without a problem. But the Bible says this, it doesn't matter if you have a truckload of them, if you have a bushel basket of them, if you just have one, which we all do, let us lay aside, us, all of us, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily besets us. But listen carefully, even if it were possible to narrow it down to just one, which it's not, because all of us are full of flaws, character flaws, moral flaws, all kinds of flaws, but if one was all that it was, 
than it would testify like a neon light the great spiritual truth that we are all sinners. Every single one of us, it testifies of that. The word of God says that we were all conceived in sin. Let me give you a few scriptures of that for the time remaining we have this evening. Two particular ones, going back to the Old Testament, Psalms chapter 51, verse number five. The Bible says this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Look at that. And then, of course, you know the classic scripture in Romans 3.23. Paul said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So whether we're talking about a truckload, a bushel basket, a picnic basket, a lunch sack full of sin, listen carefully, it doesn't matter if if it were possible that we could live this life with only one, one is enough to make us all a sinner. One is enough to break the link in the chain of the law that we could not keep. Now, I want you to think about this. Verse number 12, and we're getting close to the end of the study for tonight. The Bible says, so speak ye and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now look at this. You and I today, thank God, we're not judged by the Mosaic law. You and I today are judged by grace. And I want you to think about this. There's there's a lot that could be said tonight about grace, and there's a lot that could be said tonight about mercy. Mercy, by the way, is a tremendous subject. In fact, let me say this at this point. One of the most valuable spiritual truths that you could learn is this. If you want to be shown mercy in your life, think about that. If you want to be shown mercy in your life, then you have to be willing to show mercy to others. And that's sort of like when you love people that will not love you back. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.